0: Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with God's people. I feel like over the last month or so, it's been actually kind of more and more exciting around here. I don't know. We've just had a lot of time to be together. Some of that time has been, quite honestly, times of grief. We've lost some... Loved one uh, but also we have had times of great joy and celebration. I, I, I think I'm still full, uh, Dick from the, the big cookout but we've had times of just being together as family and I think being church is not just being family, but it is part being family. It's not just being together, but it is in part being together. And so it is exciting and good for us to be in the house of the Lord, to be with God's people, to study his word, and I hope today that you're ready for this. Because I'll tell you, I, I run into a lot of people who say things like, I, I, is this a phrase you know? <clears throat> I'm spiritual, just not religious. Is that, have you come across that? And Maybe some of you have come saying, kind of said, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. What does that mean? I mean, I think it kind of means something like that they have a heart for spiritual things. Because we all have a spirit and a heart that is spiritual and we want to glorify God. We want to kind of know spiritual truths. But it's the rules or the trappings or the, the organized religion part that we're maybe not so much a fun of or maybe you've heard this phrase this is kind of a little bit different but a little more specific have you ever heard someone say this phrase watch this one do you know who someone who says, I'm interested in Jesus or I like Jesus but I really don't like church or I'm not interested in church have you, have you heard that they like Jesus or at least who they think Jesus is but they're not really interested in maybe knowing God through the Bible or knowing church okay there is a group called the Barna Group that researches religious trends in America. They research what's going on. They actually created a category, a subcategory in their, in a 2016 um, survey of Christians in the United States, uh, people who profess to say, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. And out of that group, there it was enough people that they created a subcategory of people that they said, love Jesus but not the church. Love Jesus, but not the church. In fact, um, you can see a large number of those are boomers. I am not a boomer just want to make that real clear. I didn't quite, I'm not, I didn't quite make that. Now, there's nothing against boomers, but I didn't quite make that. I'm, I'm in the Xer generation. We have a lot of those in my group. Millennials say that less, and the elders among us say that less. But there is a large group that says, hey, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm interested in knowing about Jesus. But all that religion stuff, all that church stuff, whether it's because of they see it connected to politics, or whether they see it connected to rules, or whether they see it connected to just things that are quite honestly don't seem relevant or boring, or they could be spending their day doing something else. They just don't seem connected to, to church. Well, we actually see some of these people pop up in the New Testament. We've been looking at Jesus and how Jesus is a model for us as disciple makers. And Jesus encounters some people that are not necessarily religious but they sure were interested in Jesus. Look at chapter 12 of the book of uh, the gospel of John. In there it says some Greeks. Now when it says Greeks, it could specifically mean people who were from Greece or it often was a more generic term referring to everyone who was not Jewish. They were not part of the religious community. They were the Gentiles. And so everybody who's not really us is out there. It's them. So Greeks could have referred to kind of more of a generic term of, you know, the ones who weren't really part of this Jewish tradition, these religious heritage, the worship. But they showed up for a pretty big festival. Now, <clears throat> some of you guys like the, the festivals. Anybody kind of, you're those that are like, like, I'm going to the Greek festival cuz it's going to be good or I'm going to go to the Italian festival cuz the food's going to be good. Or I'm, and all we do is really go and eat and maybe there's some crafts that you like to see, but it's really about the food, right? And anybody with me on those you like some of you like those festival type things for whatever heritage, it doesn't even matter. I'll be in any group. I'm just including if there's food, I'm in. It, It was that kind of an event. The Passover was a celebration. It was a celebration of God bringing uh, the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. And so there was a lot of worship. There was a lot of sacrifices. There were a lot of songs. There was a lot of dancing. There was the Passover meal. There was food. And so it says some Greeks came up, those and they went up to worship at the festival, meaning the Passover. They came to Philip, one of the followers, one of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles of Jesus, came to Philip. Philip has a Greek name, like Philip of Macedon, right? The father of Alexander the Great. Phil, so he is probably more of what's called a Hellenistic, a Greek-type Jew, a Jewish person who had adopted a lot of Greek language and culture, someone that the Greeks would have felt more comfortable with. Someone they would have felt like they could make a connection with. And they came to Philip and they said, Hey, Philip, you're kind of, kind of like us. We kind of have a request. Could we see Jesus? Could, could you get us a backstage pass? Could you get us a little closer? We're interested in knowing this Jesus person. Now, we're not trying to sign up and be a member of your Jesus following band here. We're not trying to become apostle. We're just we want to see a little more Jesus. Brothers, sisters, I think there's a lot of people in this world that actually are kind of like that. They would like to see a little more Jesus. I, they may not be so interested in all the church's stuff. They may not be interested in all the Bible study kind of things, but they just want to see a little more Jesus. And so they came to Philip. Do you realize you're a Philip. My father-in-law is here. His name is Philip. He's actually a Philip. But but the rest of you, you are also similarly Philips, right? You are those that God has placed somewhere. At your workplace, with family members, with neighbors. You're someone who has an opportunity to introduce people to Jesus. They can see him in your life, in your words, in your actions. Here's people who wanted to see Jesus, now, Philip was not the inner circle. He was one of the 12, but even still, there was sort of a little bit of a hierarchy. So Philip, it says in verse 22, went to tell Andrew. Andrew, there's some guys over here. There are Greeks. Do they get to see Jesus right now? How is it? He went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Andrew's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus is going to want to know about this. So goes to Jesus, and Jesus replies, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus does this a lot in the Gospels. They ask him a question and he answers with something else. It's like, hey, Jesus, is this the hour? When no one knows the hour of time. This is, he doesn't always give them a straight answer. This is one of those moments when they're saying, hey, Jesus, there's some Greek uh, speaking gentlemen, some people who are not Jewish. They would sure like to meet you today. And Jesus is like, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Is that a yes? Is that a no? It's, it's, it, 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 well, in some ways, Does it point to, and is the question this, my first thought is that must be a yes. Even the Greeks want to know about Jesus. This is the moment. We're about to launch a a multimedia campaign. Jesus, the Messiah. We're going to have a TV show. We're going to have a talk show. We're going to put it on Facebook. We're going to make sure everybody knows that Jesus is the king. Bring on the paparazzi. Let's get some cameras out here. I was researching. You paparazzi—an interesting term. I I didn't know exactly what is a paparazzi. It comes from a play and a certain name of a guy who was a an unscrupulous tabloid kind of a reporter kind of thing. But it's become this name, right? You know what paparazzi are—people who follow celebrities, trying to get pictures, trying to catch them doing something, and then they sell it to tabloids and other news outlets and that kind of thing. So here it is. Bring them on. We want to show Jesus to the world. I don't know that that's what Jesus meant. When Jesus said, it's time for me to be glorified, I don't think he meant, okay, let's tell these Greeks and they can go back to Greece or wherever they're from and and spread the news. That actually wasn't it. it. That isn't what Jesus meant. How do I know? Well, look at the very next phrase. Look at the very next phrase. Verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Is Philip still going, now, wait a second, are we still on the same question? <laughs> Am I supposed to go and get the Greeks or not? What's happening here? What do you mean about a colonel going to the ground and dying? What do you mean it only... I I, I understand. We've been talking about disciple-making. You've been telling us, Jesus, that it's going to multiply. You've been telling us that the kingdom of God would multiply. Okay, I understand that. But now why do you use the metaphor of death? Why do you use this idea that the wheat seed has to die, that it can no longer remain as it is so that it can spread? Why are you talking about this? What does this mean for us? Well, I think it begins to point us to the cross for Jesus. It begins to point us to this idea that Jesus himself would be that seed that would initially die uh, and initially give his life as a sacrifice for all men, that he would go to the cross to pay a penalty for our sins, but not to just die but to rise again and begin those his movement rise again and begin a kingdom rise again and begin a future for all people you see in verse 25 he says this also applies to you because he says anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life for this world will keep it for eternal life Jesus begins a model of discipleship here where he begins to teach us that if we are going to grow as individuals if we are going to grow in multiplying as numerically as the number of people in the kingdom of God if we are going to grow as a congregation church Valley Baptist Church in this place then part of it means death part of it means giving up our life part of it means even maybe hating our life in other words rejecting and denying the things that we cherish the most that, that, that's hard. The reason I'm part of this church is because of the stuff I like about this church. I don't want certain things to change. Change would be uncomfortable. Change would be the things that I don't enjoy as much. Things might not be as Oh, wait. Is that what he means? That I have to hate my life? Certain things have to, to die? And and, and okay, let's even move it back, not just about the church, but let's move it back to me. Do I, what do you mean I have to hate my life? Because i got to be honest, I kind of like my life. I've gotten some good things in my life. There's my wife, you're all like, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, There's obviously good things in my life. I enjoy the work that I get to do. I enjoy my in-laws. I've got really good in-laws. Some people kind—that's oh, not so great. But I've got great in-laws. I kind of enjoy my life. I haven't had a lot of illness. Haven't a lot. Other people have had other struggles. I—I'm I, not belittling those. I'm just. What do you mean? I have to hate my life, Jesus? What do you mean? I have to go? This doesn't. This doesn't sit with me very well. Well, brothers and sisters, I do think we do have something we need to look at today. This one is one that I feel like I'm talking about with a lot of people and really doing some contemplation. We are not of this world. Jesus told us that. We are of his kingdom. Our mindset, Jesus says, or the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, that we have to be transformed in the renewing of our minds, not conformed to a thinking pattern of this world. Can I tell you one of the places where I think we are very, very confused? I'm going to tell you about a spot that right now we have been getting a message that is so, it seems so right, that it so saturates our our American values and our way of life here that it can really mislead us. Here's this idea, this phrase that comes up, at least in my world, more and more amongst young adults, more and more amongst our college students. It's the quest for the authentic self. Have you heard this phrase? Your authentic self now, what is it meant by this? It's meant, the, the term is meant to refer to, you know, what's really you. Not conforming in any way to, to, the, to the expectations of society. I mean, society might expect me to wear a suit coat on, or even wear a tie on Sunday mornings. But, oh, my authentic, I don't really like ties. I'm just going to let you know if you haven't figured that out. I, my authentic self is I'm not wearing a tie. I'm not conforming to, to, to that way. I'm actually more of a flip-flops and shorts kind of guy and, I had to talk my previous pastor out of wearing flip-flops and shorts and trucker hats for Sunday. I was like, Pastor, that's just not going to go. His authentic self is a trucker hat and flip-flops and shorts. Can we wear that on Sunday? I'll tell you, if anybody comes in flip-flops and shorts and trucker hat, they are welcome. (laughs) come on in. You can wear anything you want. You just just come on in and be here. But I know that for my role, there might be certain expectations and I don't want what I wear to somehow be a barrier or a hindrance, right? I'm not going to necessarily be my authentic self in all situations, right? We've all kind of learned that we have to conform. But this idea of quest for authentic self has somehow consumed our society. We want our children To be all that they can be. We want them to flourish. If they want to be artists, we want them to be artists. If if we want them to be engineers, well, we want them to be engineers. We want them to achieve who they are. Is anybody with me on this? Right? Be your authentic self. The problem with this is, um, well, let me start with the good. There's actually some good to this. Did you know in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, The Apostle Paul says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's laid out in advance for us to do. In Romans 12, Paul talks about each of us having different gifts and working together as a body. Absolutely, there is part where you should flourish in part about who God has made you to be. But here's the false part. Here's the wrong part. We emphasize this idea of authentic self so much that all of a sudden we think that I need to be who I am and all the universe needs to conform to making allowance for me to be me. That's actually not true. That actually misunderstands the foundational truth that God is God, that the universe conforms to him, that God created you, and sure, he's created good things in you and works that he's laid out in advance for you to do and a person that he's called you to become, but your authentic self, some of what's within you, is not completely good and is not what God has for you. Jesus says this, and as he goes on in this passage, he says, whoever serves me... Must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be, and my father will honor the one who serves me. God is not on the throne of the universe saying, Listen, I really need you to decide what you want to do with your life, and boy, make a be all that you can be. And well, we'll make sure I'll make sure that the universe kind of makes allowances for that we need to understand a little bit that there's a role where God is God and we are his creation that we are servant that where Jesus says the one who's gonna follow me you're gonna be my servant we have a role here it is not a bad thing we are created to know him we are created to serve we are created to honor God in that way this is one of the most important things I, I I think that we we kinda mistake in our life because we want to make it all about us Where my servant is, or where I am, there my servant will be. And notice this, my father honors the one who serves me. Then he said to them, verse 23, oh, this is a different passage. in Luke 9, it says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. I think the Apostle Paul finally kind of understood this idea this idea about self-denial this idea that not everything within me is automatically good just because I desire it, it is not automatically good just because I desire certain uh, things that I want to do with the life that God is having some of those things might be out of bounds some of those things might not be good some of those things might not be what I think would be self actualizing but it would be the fulfillment of following God listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verse 18 for I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my flesh or in my sinful nature for I have the desire to do what is good I I, I want to do what is good but I can't carry it out for I don't do the good I want to do but the evil that I don't want to do this is what I keep on doing the Apostle Paul echoes and speaks about this this struggle that all Christians have this pull, that there is within me desires that are unhealthy. There is within me wants, even for achievement, that are not good. If we're wanting power, if we're wanting somehow just to the greed of money that can, that can overcome our souls, if we want to somehow um, have our way in every situation, this is not good. Even sexual desires, there are some that are just out of place. They are out of bounds. And God has given us limits to say this is what is good. But we've decided that, no, 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 to be our authentic self, God needs to adjust and accept us. Brothers and sisters, there is a foundational way. If the people are going to see Jesus in our lives, they need to see Jesus glorified as we deny ourselves. They need to see a group of people that is not all about their own comforts. They need to see a group of people that's not all just about what they want. God is glorified as we deny ourselves. Okay, so let's make it real practical. What exactly do I have to deny in order to glorify God? Because, you know, there's a lot of things that I kind of like, and some of them aren't bad. Do I have to hate everything? Like, um, do I have to not watch Obi-Wan on Netflix or Disney Plus? Do I have to deny, I mean, I like my car. Do I need to have a, like, do I need to walk everywhere I need to go or use public transportation? Do I need to deny my dream job? Well, if God wants it, then I, you know, um, I can remember uh, many, 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 many years ago talking to a, a younger lady who was like, well, I know that God is going to send me to a small village somewhere um, uh, on, a con- and on a continent without running water and without you know, food because he's going to want me to suffer. If I'm following God, of course he's going to make it the worst moment in my life. He, he's going to deny me everything. This is when Vicky broke up with me saying, well, I like being with you, so I guess I'm going to break up with you because God must want me to suffer. Vicki, it's not true. Vicki, it's okay. God wants you to have running water. Um, it, it, it's our, well, maybe God doesn't care actually about the running water, but the idea is it's not that everything we have to deny the blessings that God gives in First Timothy, in the same, in chapter 6, in the same passage, Paul talks about that the love of money, that the greed for things that are root of all kinds of evil, and the people who are on a quest to get rich have pierced themselves with many griefs. In that exact same passage, God talks about those who are rich in this world. That they can enjoy what God has given them. They should be eager to be generous. They should be eager and willing to share. But they should enjoy all that God gives them. So how do we understand this self-denial? How do we understand this self-denial? Well, I think one of the ways is in Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. Where a young man comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, "Uh, and tell me how to have eternal life. And Jesus says, well, follow the commandments. He's like, man, I'm keeping the commandments. I'm doing good. And then Jesus says, well, then sell all you have and come follow me. That's the one thing you lack. You're not following me. You're not really my disciple. You're not in a relationship with me. You see, because the disciple of Jesus is going to be where Jesus is at. The disciple of Jesus is going to go where Jesus is going to go. And Jesus was on a move at that moment. And Jesus was not going to be held back by possessions or a town where those possessions were going to be. Or a job or a career or a place in society. Jesus was on the move. And that young man, if he was going to be part of what Jesus was doing, had to be on the move. What do we have to give up to glorify God? Well, not the good things that he gives us that are in line with what he has for us to do. But if God is calling us to do certain things, if God is calling us to help certain people, if God is giving it time, we may have to give up some of the things we enjoy. We may have to inconvenience ourselves to accomplish the mission. We may have to deny ourselves on a pretty regular basis to make sure God is receiving glory what does that mean for your time you all who are parents you understand this you're all the time denying yourself to help your children right children you understand what this because you often have to deny what you want to do to do what you need to do to help the family out we all have to go through this but it's how we conform to the image of Jesus we've got to learn to say you know what Everything that I want might not be good and not good for me. And it's okay for me to follow God so that God would be glorified. Number two, we need to realize that God is glorified as we endure. As we endure. Notice what happens next in this story. As Jesus is talking about the wheat that is about to die, as he's speaking in this week before he's going to the cross, he says this, now my soul is troubled. Now my soul is troubled. Now, Jesus was not troubled because a few men wanted to come and see him. That that was not what he was troubled about. He was troubled by the fact that he was going to the cross. And we all can understand that dying for the sins of humanity, putting yourself under the complete wrath of God, doing that would, would, of course, be something that is troubling as Jesus is looking to the cross. We can understand that. But i got to be honest, <clears throat> as I read the Gospel, especially as I read the Gospel of John, I have to kind of think, when was your heart not troubled? When was your life not already troubled, Jesus? I mean, let's just sketch through it for a second, right? I mean, in the gospel of John, we already seen a lot of things. I mean, he was having to, like, confront this Samaritan woman who disagreed with the religious re- leaders like Nicodemus came to him. There were people that betrayed him, like the in John chapter 5, the man who was healed, that Jesus healed him, and then he goes and tells about Jesus. We've been covering this over the last couple of months. In John chapter 6, you had the people who... Uh, Uh, 5,000 people who didn't have any food and were hungry. There's a lot of troubles that Jesus was facing. And by the time you get to John chapter 8, it's trouble after trouble after trouble. The religious leaders began to persecute him pretty intensely. He was being questioned at every turn. He was having some difficult days. He was having hard days. He was being attacked. And I'll be honest, you know the old phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but what about words? You know that that's just not true, right? Words can never hurt me. Words hurt bad, especially if you're a words person. Words can be really encouraging, or words can be like, I mean, it can really be hurtful. And so, if, if words bother you, man, Jesus was having some trouble. Jesus was having some trouble. And now he says, my soul is troubled. He's been having trouble the whole time. But here, as he's facing the cross... The intensity of the trouble has come. The climax, the ultimate point of that trouble is here. And he says, Now what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. See, I'm usually using the first phrase Father, save me from this hour. Aren't you? Lord, help me. Lord, I, I, rescue me. Lord, save me from this difficulty. God, I need help. And I don't think it's wrong for us to pray those prayers. Lord, help. But also, glorify your name. If you take me through this trouble, glorify your name. Vicky mentioned this young lady, Kate, and she was a stellar student. And a top athlete everybody knew her it was such an incredible shock for all of a sudden in the middle of class her heart stops she was at there were two universities together 22,000 students can I tell you that she became the focus of the entire administration of both universities what just happened? Were people trained the right way? How do we support her family? How do we support? And because she was a member of our church and a member of our uh, group, our small little Baptist campus ministry with the small little Baptist chaplaincy, all of a sudden was in the center of all the major meetings with all the personnel and all the university trying to figure out how do we do, what do we support, what what kind of protocols need to be changed, what was effective, what was not effective. And in the middle of that... Father, glorify your name. Father, this is how Christians take care of each other. It's okay. The university doesn't have to worry about it. We will make sure her family is provided for and has a place to stay. We'll make sure the church knows about the medical bills. We'll make sure the church knows. We will glorify the Lord because we will embrace this situation, not because we want it. We are praying for healing. We are praying for God to work in powerful ways, and God did. But we're taking the opportunity that it is not just about Kate it's not just about her family it's not just about us but it's about your name father how do you want to use this situation to glorify your name God took Jesus put him on the cross he was the kernel of wheat that died that has blessed us with his kingdom that has blessed us with eternal life that made all the difference in the world God glorify your name because it's for this reason for this hour we've come every situation every day there are troubles father glorify your name. This morning there were troubles. Did you guys have troubles this morning? I don't know. For some reason, the water doesn't work at our house. It just stopped. Toilet flushed one time. It doesn't flush anymore. Glorify your name, Father. Uh, I I heard, I got texts from some of our Sunday school teachers. Hey, we got a a deal at our house. There are different things that have happened this morning. Of course there are going to be how are we going to react? Are we going to be upset? Are we going to throw throw up our hands? Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians, if you're going to glorify God, this is what he says. I've not stopped praying for you all um, since the day I heard about you. What does he pray? Well, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. You want to know God's will for you today? You want to know what he wants you to do? Here's what he wants you to do. Through all wisdom and spiritual underst- or understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you might live a life that is worthy of the Lord. That's what God wants for you today. He wants you to live a life that glorifies him. It's for this hour that you've come, that this moment in your life would glorify the Lord, that every that's afternoon lunch would glorify the Lord, that tonight would glorify the Lord, It would, and tomorrow would glorify the Lord. He wants you to live a life that is worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and then listen to this, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. Great endurance and patience. As I'm trying to figure out how to solve the problems this morning, we don't have water. Who's getting showers? Who's not getting showers? How, how many people get to use the toilet? <laughs> What's going to happen today, right? All of a sudden, I felt myself getting real frustrated. I need to be patient. It's about endurance. I've got to be honest. That's a pretty small issue <laughs> compared to what our brothers and sisters and, and the Ukrainians are going through today. That's a pretty small issue, considering what so many other people are dealing with in the world today. It's a pretty small issue, but it's one where I'm going to choose whether I'm going to glorify God or not, because I have the opportunity to either glorify God or not. Today it's not about me being my authentic self, because I'll tell you what my authentic self is. I quit. Life is too hard. Let me complain. My authentic self is all about that. (laughs) In fact, if you needed an A-plus complainer, I am it. I mean, I can complain about anything and everything. My wife says, today can we not have grumpy Mike? (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm going to really try to not be grumpy Mike. How can I not be that person? Because that doesn't glorify the Lord. Save me from this hour? No, God, I've come to this hour. How am I going to be faithful to you? Church, we're facing an hour. We are. As a congregation, we can certainly try to go back and say, this is what, how we want things to be. This is what we want church to look like. Or we're going to move forward together and say, God, glorify your name. God, do what only you can do among us. Lord, it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be easy. But, Lord, glorify your name. Where we don't like it, give us great patience. Give us great endurance. Strengthen us by your glorious might. But we're going to go forward with you because we've come to this hour glorify your name. Do you remember God's response? The father actually spoke to Jesus at that moment. The crowds heard it. The father says this, I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again or more. He's going to continue to do what he's going to do. Are you available? Now, right off the bat, you are not available for God to glorify his name if you don't know Jesus if you don't know Jesus as your Savior if you've never said look I know I'm not perfect I need Jesus then you can't glorify him because you you're not even His yet you're not even willing to admit that he is the Savior of the universe that he is the only giver of eternal life and today maybe today You begin step one of being that servant of Jesus, that follower of Jesus, that being that person that really has created you to be, to be that new creation that comes by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. You need him. I need him. There's not a person on this planet that doesn't need Jesus as Savior. Would you say yes to Jesus today? And for the rest of us, well, our questions are this. Lord Jesus, what desire do I need to deny? What's something that I'm pursuing that I need to not be pursuing? And number two, am I prepared? (laughs) Am I mentally prepared that today's going to have troubles? Lord, help me glorify your name. Today the altar is open if you need to come for prayer. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus or you're deciding to become members of this church just say, look, Lord, Lord, we're in, we're doing this, you respond as Jesus is calling you let's pray together father thank you for your word today thank you that you've called us I uh, have to have a, a life that is a new creation not our authentic selves but a denial of ourselves that we might be your servant that we might be where you are that we might glorify you that we might be people of truth that live for your truth Jesus glorify your name father glorify your name Holy Spirit fill us change us make us those who bring glory to God in all things. We ask this knowing that you love us. In the name of Jesus, amen.